anyone can say we're number one or we're the best. And, and we don't try to be the best. We try to be the most engaging. We want to win the minds and hearts of our audience. And I think we've done a pretty good job so far. B2B Content Strategist is the podcast where you'll hear actionable advice and strategic guidance from content marketing leaders. I'm Amy Woods, CEO of Content 10X, and I sit down with leading B2B marketers to discuss how they overcome challenges with limited time and resources and execute winning campaigns time after time. If you want to improve and streamline your content marketing, keep listening. Hello and welcome back to B2B Content Strategist. I'm your host, Amy Woods, and in this episode, I'm joined by Devin Reed. Now, Devin is the head of content strategy at Gong, where he's responsible for thought leadership, content marketing, sales research, and social media. He also advises B2B content marketing teams and runs the Content Strategy Reader, a free email newsletter that shares strategies and tactics for creating irresistible content. With a buyout like that, we absolutely had to invite Devin onto the podcast. Devin also writes and speaks prolifically about sales and marketing. And if you're not already following him on LinkedIn, I highly recommend doing so. In this episode, we discuss why LinkedIn is such a big focus for Gong and why engagement is their number one KPI. We also talk about the challenges of building a marketing team, why overwhelm is counterproductive to content marketers and the tool Gong uses to supercharge their content analysis. Let's dive into the conversation. Devin, welcome to B2B Content Strategist. It's great to have you on the show. Appreciate you for having me. Thank you. Yeah, it is wonderful to have you. I've been looking forward to this conversation. <laughs> so so to, to kick off what I'm sure is going to be a great chat, please could you just let me know a little bit more about, about your role and about what Gong does as well? Yeah, sure. So Gong's mission is to unlock reality to help individuals and companies reach their full potential. Uh, and the way that we do that is we automatically capture all of the different customer facing interactions. Think uh, you know, sales, customer support, CS, all of their emails, phone calls, web conferencing, and even in person uh, when that used to happen and when it happens again. And we effectively show you what's working and what isn't across all these interactions by delivering insights at scale. So think of things like, how do I lower my talk time to be a better sales rep? What uh, talk tracks are being used in the field uh, as a head of sales or enablement, right? So those sorts of things. Um, a little bit about me, I'm the head of content strategy there. I actually joined Gong four and a half years ago as a sales rep. I was a salesperson for most of my career up until a couple of years ago. And so I was the second sales hire uh, back in the day, sold for a couple of years, and then moved uh, literally one day, picked up all my things in a cardboard box, moved, walked across the office and unpacked that cardboard box and joined the marketing team uh, where I was a one-man band uh, running our content strategy. And so I've had the, uh, the honor and privilege of scaling that team out over the last few years. We now have six people reporting to me on my team and uh, we're in charge essentially of building brand and pipeline via content. And so I'm responsible for all of our organic channels. Uh, I try to list all of them, but it's kind of like having six or seven kids. I, I always end up forgetting one at the very end. Uh, but it's things like, you know, uh, thought leadership, sales research, uh, the blog, social media, uh, SEO, um, 
email marketing. This is that point where I start to forget. I'm sure there's a, I'm sure there's a couple more, but those are, those are all the things that we're responsible for. Cool. So what does the team look like in terms of uh, the, how you've split out the roles and the, the team structure? Yeah. So um, we have two content marketers. We have a growth marketer who started as a content marketer and, and switched. And now he's building out what growth marketing is at Gong. Uh, we have a managing editor, a part-time content intern, uh, which is our content coordinator. Uh, and then I just uh, thought leadership just moved over from product marketing to my team. So I have a senior manager of thought leadership uh, that reports to me as well. And I'm hiring, uh, if you don't mind me a quick plug, I'm hiring a social media manager. If anyone, if you're interested, uh, that's my current open role as of today. So that's where we are. I'm sure you'll you'll find someone fantastic for that role that will come and want to work with you, Devin, and with the Gong team. So. So. <laughs> um, so you guys are obviously creating, you know, lots of different content and uh, lots of different formats, et cetera. In terms of your, your overarching content strategy, what are the core key priorities content-wise at Gong? Absolutely. So I think the the baseline is we are continuing to scale the channels that I that I just mentioned. Uh, thought leadership is the new new one, and I've kind of been doing thought leadership in one way on my own, um, but we're kind of like really putting it together now. So that is a top priority: is you know making sure our thought leadership uh, is wildly effective this year, and so that's launching new types of reports, new partnerships with uh, Harvard Business Review, and some other cool projects. So. Uh, and we just launched a go-to-market newsletter called The Edge, which is penned by our president and COO, Kelly Wright. And so we're just trying to really build out uh, the breadth of our thought leadership. And so it was Gong Labs, which is our research blog for sales, uh, sales pros. Now we have these, you know, executive thought leadership reports. We just put out our first one and we have one every quarter uh, for the rest of the year and moving forward. And then we have this newsletter. And so we're really just trying to, you know, hit all the different angles. So whether you're, um, you know, if you like short form, if you like email, if you like long research reports, like we're just trying to serve that audience. And so another big thing we're working on is supporting our reality roadshow. So we have a Six City, if I remember correctly, roadshow coming up over the summer, um, starting in San Francisco, hitting uh, New York City for a large virtual uh, hybrid event, going to London, and then a few executive dinners uh, following that. So my team's responsible for the promotion and the session content, which is, of course, a split effort across multiple people on the marketing team. Uh, I'll be speaking there as well. And then um, some of the, the things I kind of mentioned earlier, just scaling out my team, have a social media role that we're hiring as we look to scale some of those digital channels. Um, and then the manager, managing editor I had just mentioned, we're building out a editorial process that will essentially become a content creation engine for the whole marketing department. Um, so those are the you know, kind of things we're doing from the big, exciting, public facing things to the kind of behind the scenes, you know, inner workings and the, and the plumbing, if you will. Mm. And with the, the focus on thought leadership that you talked about, where are you sort of, I guess, like focusing the effort in terms of the thought leadership that Gong is putting out as a, as a, as a well-known brand, established brand and the, the research and the papers on, from Gong, but then also the, you know, the personal brand type thought leadership of the leaders mm -hmm. within the organization. Yeah, it's funny you say that, Amy, because I view them as one and the same. Um, it's funny when I say thought leadership, it's kind of like influencer these days. I'm not really sure exactly what it means, but you know, you know, you know it when you see it. Um, and so, you know, I guess to put it simply, thought leadership, in my opinion, is very similar to what content should do, which is change the way people think and act. And so 
if you can nail one of those two things, even just think, right. Some things are high, high level pieces. You just want to change the way people are, you know, perceiving a problem or the current situation. Um, I view the content from the gong brand, um, related to the thought leadership of the gong employee base. Um, because one is we, we kind of fuel both on the marketing team. We, we really try to build these platforms. We, we have LinkedIn trainings for people who want to learn how to build a personal brand. We supply content um, that they can you know, choose to share or not. Um, and we have some really cool campaigns coming up that, that will kind of display that. And so it's really kind of a twofold. So it's like, what is, what is the main narrative that we want our audience to know from Gong? And can we use our, um, I should say, you know, uh, leverage our uh, employee base to distribute that content, which is something we've been really, you know, grateful to have. It's one of our strengths is we get, you know, dozens of, of gongsters, that's what we call our employees, uh, to share our content because they really enjoy it and they really believe in it. And we have that buy-in from our sales team. And so we're doing kind of the, kind of a little bit of both, like, right? It's like helping, helping our employees build their brand, but also using them as a quote unquote, like distribution channel, again, completely optional for them. Yeah, I think it's it's fantastic that you do that. And also, as you said, that you provide some support and, and coaching training as to how to go about doing that as well, because see some organizations that just assume that people will share and provide no real guidance as to you know how, <laughs> you know, in that level yeah. of support. So that's great. Um, it, it says on your LinkedIn that you are leading the team that creates the most engaging sales content on the internet. And I would love to know in terms of that phrase engaging, um, how are you guys measuring um, that it is uh, truly engaging content? What are the kind of KPIs and metrics or qualitative quantitative type, um, <laughs> you know, aspects that you are looking at? You know, Amy, when you read it back to me, it sounds like a less of a humble brag than maybe I was shooting for when uh, when I wrote it. Uh, but no, in all, in all seriousness, I, I I do agree, and and you know, there's there's of course it's it's subjective. Uh, you know, if you find it engaging, but um, I didn't use the word best because I think anyone can say we're number one or we're the best, and and we don't try to be the best. We try to be the most engaging. We want to win the minds and hearts of our audience, and I think we've done a pretty good job so far. And so there's a lot of different ways we do that. You can look at it simply as any of the organic uh, channel growth, right? Are we getting more LinkedIn followers? Are we getting more email subscribers? Are we getting more people on the blog and the website traffic and all those things? Um, and that's, that's been going up and to the right, um, you know, thankfully for the last few years. The other thing we look at very specifically is engagement rate on LinkedIn. Um, we have about four and a half percent engagement rate across all of our LinkedIn content for the Gong page. We don't track across all the employees. Um, and so, yeah, so that's something we take really seriously, right? As we have scaled our programs over the last couple years, especially the content output on email channels and, and LinkedIn, you know, we don't want to just go, you know, double content production for the sake of doubling content and then see our engagement rate drop, right? So we're, we're really... We focus on that every two weeks. We have a meeting. We go over the top engaging posts, least engaging posts. What can we learn? What can we change? And then we look at that engagement number to make sure um, that it's staying where it should be. Of course, it fluctuates a little bit from week to week. Um, and that's a little bit of a better indicator than just followers. Um, followers is a little bit more of a lagging indicator. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the reason I asked that question It is because that term engaging stood out to me. Like you said, not you know the best or the most followed or whatever, but engaging which is the term that I think would be the most important when you're talking about the content Thanks. that you're creating online as well so yeah. I really like that <laughs> um Thank so you. we've talked about you know what, what what your team's doing in the focus and that kind of thing from 
heading up the the content over at Gong, what have you decided to keep in house, and what aspects do you decide that would be best outsourced from a content management perspective? As we got started, I wanted control, and I don't mean control in the micromanaging way. I mean in that engaging content way, in that quality assurance way where I said, hey, before we can scale and do more, we need to be great. We need to know what our voice is. We need to know what our our content engine is. Because to me, an agency outsourcing, they are only as good as your vision, right? And that's where I think that mistake comes in where it's like, hey, if you have a vision and you know what you need and you just need to throw gas on the fire to use that analogy, or that may be a cliche, then yeah, you might find a consultant or agency who can help you do more, do a little bit better. But where I see people sometimes make the mistake is don't really have a vision. You don't really have a content strategy. You outsource to an agency and the partnership is weak because it's kind of one way. Like, you you know, here's a bunch of money. You give me all the things that I need and how I need to do it. And I've just never seen that that work. Um, And so I didn't do any outsourcing for a while. We have two content writers who are not full-time employees. They are, you know, they're freelancers. Um, but I've tried to hire them multiple times. Uh, I, I only bring on freelancers that I would hire full time. And so one of them has been with us for five or six years. The other one's been with us for three years and literally once a year, you know, usually around Christmas, you know, I give them a Christmas gift and I say, Hey, by the way, if you want to start the new year with a new job, you just call me, uh, and I'll hire you on the spot. And so that's how seriously I take kind of like who, who gets their hands on our, our content. Um, so that's it. We've had those two folks. We are starting to scale that out because as you know, when I joined the marketing team, we were six people. Uh, now we are 50. So of course we need more hands on deck. You can't always hire all the full-time employees that you need fast enough. And so we are starting to look uh, at some ways to scale that out. And then we do use um, a company to help us with our podcast. So we did, we did outsource that as of last year, um, just to free up some time for the, for the content manager uh, who was running that. Yeah. I think that's often you know quite a common outsource specialization because you know podcasting isn't typically an in-house skill especially in the early days is it so it's good to outsource Mm -hmm. that um quite often you know in answer to that question seos very often another um outsourcing that people tend to to hand over yeah we just we just onboarded an agency for seo as well sorry yeah sorry yeah so yeah as you can get for the first three years, very much yeah. in-house. And then in the last six months, yeah, we've, we've had to scale. Like you just need, you need some help. So yeah, SEO is another one, Amy. Thanks for yeah. reminding me. Yeah. Um, it's funny you said about the writers, because I think the, the bane of my life for the last year has been hiring good writers in terms of all the good yep. writers just want to stay freelance, don't they? And we don't, everyone is an employee yeah. at Content Next. We don't, there isn't like that freelance aspect really. And I'm finding that a struggle because everyone wants to stay freelance um so yeah it's a challenge (laughs) um let's talk about one of your best content marketing initiatives so um what do you consider to be the best or the most kind of memorable content marketing initiative that you have been responsible for yeah, that's a great question. I would say um, I have I have two, but we can you can decide if you okay. make me stick to one. I'll stick to I'll stick to probably the most popular one, which is our Gong Labs research blog. Um, so while I do manage it today, uh, I did not create it. Chris Orlob, who was uh, you know in my chair before me, uh, created it with our CEO. He was employed like four or five, so he was very very early on. And essentially what it is, is a research blog where we use our proprietary database of all those sales interactions. 
and we comb through these millions and millions of sales interactions and start to highlight different insights. So we can zoom in on a really specific sales scenario. For example, here's a fun one, Amy. I, I wrote this three years ago. I still get people, you know, pinging me about it, which was how does cursing impact your sales results? So it was a good thing or a bad thing. Now it was kind of a funny story. I was sitting at my desk uh, back in the office a couple of years ago and I could not come up with the next, you know, idea. I'm saying, you know, tapping, you know, twiddling my thumbs. I'm looking around like, what should, what should I dive into for this, you know, hypothesis? And uh, you can bleep it out. But I was like, shit, I don't know. Wait a second. That's what it is right there. Uh, that curse sparked it. And I'm like, yeah, sometimes I curse on sales calls. Sometimes people curse, like as a, as a prospect, people will curse, not necessarily at me, thank God, but in general. And so that's something we, you know, we looked into. And so that was a really interesting one uh, to publish. And so the reason I start there is because um, that blog post has been going strong for many years. But the real reason I think it was successful, other than the, the data piece and the, you know, the level of insight, which is very high, is that it really turned uh, the beta, I should say, it really turned the sales content world upside down. And by that, I mean, a lot of the content or all of it was hey, I've been in sales for 20 years and this is what works best. Or I've been in sales for 15 years and here's how I go about X, Y, Z. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but it is opinion-based and it's very limited amount of you know, experience. It could be an insurance saleswoman uh, in the Northeast corner of, you know, uh, of uh, you know, the uh, United States. Great for you, but might not apply, right? You know, across the board to other people. And so by bringing this data first approach, uh, we grabbed a lot of attention. We're very prescriptive in it. So, you know, we have insight and tactical uh, advice and it's just been really successful for, you know, building our brand, building our audience uh, and creating pipelines as well. That's fantastic. That's, that's a really, really good example. Really, really interesting. Just a super quick break from this conversation to let you know that if you're a B2B technology or professional services company and you want help with streamlining your content operations, outsourcing your content repurposing is the number one way to produce more high quality content and boost your ROI without putting any more pressure on your team. In fact, it could save your team up to 30 hours per week. We offer content repurposing services for video and audio content. Whether you have a show or you're launching a brand new one, maybe you have an archive of awesome content, be it webinars or a virtual event, or you want help creating thought leadership content that we can repurpose, we've got you covered. Head to content10x.com to see how we can help you and start increasing your efficiency and the value you get from your content. Now back to the conversation. What about in terms of the, the flip side? So do you have any cautionary tales or funny stories about, you know, something that didn't go quite to plan? <laughs> Ooh, fair point. Um, well, a quick funny anecdote. It went, it went maybe too well. Um, we usually do an April Fool's uh, joke or campaign at Gong because if you know anything about our brand, we, you know, we don't take ourselves too seriously. Um, last year we did a... Um, what was it called? The uh, happy ears headset. Now, for those who don't know in sales, if you're not familiar, we, we sell to salespeople, if you haven't noticed by now. And so the, the happy ears is this thing like, you know, Amy, imagine I'm selling to you, right? And you're the, you know, you're the decision maker and it's the first call and you're like, yeah, you know, this sounds pretty interesting. You know, I could see this working out. Happy ears on a sales rep would be like, I've got a deal. Amy's going to buy. I'm going to tell my boss about it, put it in commit. Um, you know, it's, it's that, that concept of, you know, uh, you know, hearing a little bit more than reality. 
And so I made these, uh, I got these Bose heads, uh, headsets. I spray painted them purple and we made this like cheesy commercial video, uh, of these happier headsets that like handle objections for you. So when Amy tells you something, you can hear this like funny voice in your head, like, you know, make sure that you, you know, I get an upfront contract, make sure that you objection, all these, so it gives you advice, hilarious, silly video. We put it out there. And if you click the link to buy the headset, which is what we promoted, you would get to a landing page that looked like a real page that you could buy something. And only when you added add to cart, did the pop-up come up like April fools, this doesn't exist, but you know, here's some content to help you with happy years. Um, it went really well, not enough people clicked the link that it was, you know, add to cart. So a lot of people thought it was real. Like we entered the hardware game and to the point where even an SDR on our team, slacked me and said, Devin, I love those headsets. When, when does the SDR team get ours? And I felt really bad telling him, uh, th those are not real, my friend, and, and, and you will not be getting a set, but I, but I'm glad you watched the video. I absolutely love that. I, I love a, um, a joke like that, where you put that amount of effort into it too. That is completely yeah. my style as well. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. we need a landing page, we need a car, we need everything. <laughs> no, I, I love that. That's fantastic. So yeah, maybe some people were left still to this day saying, do you remember that time when Dong had that, <laughs> did that campaign? Yeah. But hey, yeah, it sounds like it was a good one. So it's fantastic. That, so quick, some quick fire questions for you. So um, yeah. what is one take? Away tip that you would give to other content marketers looking to optimize their content output? Ooh, that's a really good question. I would say, I, I think the, when I talk to other marketers, whether that's, you know, and especially content, but marketers in general, and could be a leader of content or, you know, an IC, the number one thing that I sense or hear directly is that they're overwhelmed. I haven't heard anyone say that they've got more. Oh, I've got Friday afternoon open. I'll take on a new project, right? It's like everyone's strapped for time, myself included. And so my, my advice is, you know, stop doing so much. And, and here's really what I mean, because there's so many things you can do in marketing. We oftentimes as marketing think that we should be doing all of those things, right? I could have a blog. I could have a podcast. You know, I just heard Devin talk about a research blog. Maybe I should launch one of those. Maybe I should do Twitter. Devin's on LinkedIn, you know, and, and there's just so much input that I think, Sometimes it's external, uh, indirect, right? Like you could hear this podcast and think maybe I need to do something new, which hopefully is like if the case, if, if it makes sense for you, or it could be your CEO or CMO, you know, saying we need to have this, we need to have it tomorrow. And so I think what happens is, you know, you've heard the expression, you get spread really thin. And instead of being great at one thing, you're okay or mediocre at five to 10 things. And that has a lot of really bad repercussions, right? The results usually aren't there. A big one is sales. You know, you, you can lose the sales buy-in. You're like, eh, we got a podcast, but it's not that good. Like, I wouldn't recommend it. Like, that's that's really that's really bad if you're if you're you know your employee base isn't really excited about your content. And so my advice is, and I, and I followed this when I got into content, was I picked one or two things and I went really really deep and I put all of my energy into it and I was really confident that if these worked, it would open up new doors to new channels and new things. Right. So ours was this research blog and LinkedIn. Those, that was it. And they were tied because I would distribute the content through LinkedIn. We just did that over and over and over for a good year. Then, you know, we started, then we started adding video to LinkedIn, right? So it's like, okay, bulking up LinkedIn a little bit more. We're still not on Twitter. I mean, we are very lightly, like, you know, but barely, basically not on Twitter. We're not really on Facebook organically. Um, you know, we're not really on YouTube except for putting our podcast there. Like we don't have a YouTube show and we'll get there eventually, right? Like you can still be 
strategic and effective in a couple channels and build an entire content engine around that's really successful and fun to, to build than thinking that you have to have a, you know, weekly webinar series or, or something like that. Yeah, there's there's a there's a million things you can do, but you can't do them all. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. What What would you say is a typically often overlooked or undervalued tool that you would recommend to content marketers like yourself? I am. We run a really lean tech stack. Um, I took great pride in not buying anything for, for a long time, <laughs> and then now now we do buy we do buy things once or twice a year, but only only when needed. Um, I would say Path Factory has been a really interesting pickup for us. Uh, are you familiar with Path Factory, Amy? No, I'm not actually. No. So, so it's a. I, I forgive if anyone at Path Factory or someone who uh, bought it is listening. I might mess up their elevator pitch, um, but it's a content experience platform, or at least that's how I view it. And so what it does is, you know, in the the old way, which we're we're migrating from, is the amount of insight we had on who consumed our content was. Mostly if we knew who you are on the website, or if you gave me your email address, and then we did a bunch of data enrichment, and we could figure you out from there. But when you downloaded a two pager or a 20 page ebook, I have no idea if Amy downloaded it and saved it to her desktop. Did she spend two minutes, 20 minutes? Did she go read other content, which wasn't really, you know, it's not really available. You'd have to just don't know these things. I wanted to solve that. And I wanted to solve the content experience, which I don't think is that great to have that constant change of email address. And, and then you're on a landing page and you can read a PDF, but you know, you, you can't do the YouTube effect of like getting in the content rabbit hole, of like providing more content, right? If you just downloaded something about, you know, deal navigation, you might want closing tips next, right? You want, you might want some stuff around how to sell to a CFO. So I wanted to deliver that experience and get more insight. And so, uh, Jordan on my team, uh, fantastic content marketer, uh, had used it in the past. She, she suggested that we use it again. So we bought it about six months ago. And some of the really cool things we're seeing is one is how much time are people spending on our content? I'm very happy that it's much more than I anticipated. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm always <laughs> like, if they've probably spent 30 seconds on this thing that we spent weeks on, uh, but we're seeing minutes we're seeing it increase. And another really cool thing is there's a, a binge rate. So on the, you know, whatever you went to download, on the left-hand side, there's seven things that you can build as the content creator. Like, okay, here's the seven next things I would want you to look at, or you'll probably want to look at, and you can track the binge rate. So like 30% of people click two more pieces of content. So if you think about that in one campaign, we're seeing hundreds uh, more pieces of content being consumed just by having a better content experience. Hmm. Wow. I'm going to check that out. That sounds awesome. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thank you for that. I will be at the link in at the link in the show notes and checking it out ourselves. Yeah. Um, now, if you could create any kind of content at all, so um, that the sky is the limit. There's TV mm. shows or billboards in Times Square, or you know, you name it. Um, what would be what's what's that thing that you're gonna do? I thought about this long and hard yesterday. <laughs> Amy, and like, I, I hate when I, I, I run a podcast. I, I'm not a huge fan of when people take my question and answer it kind of differently. So I'm sorry that I'm going to do that. But no, you okay. said, if I had no bounds, what would you create? I looked mm -hmm. at no bounds and I wouldn't just build one piece of content. I would actually build a true internal media company. And I know that's kind of a phrase that's been thrown around, like don't build a marketing team, build a media company. And I'm okay with the, the advice at a high level. Executing it is very challenging. It's nearly impossible. 
So if I really had no bounds and unlimited money, I would actually build a sub team that is just a media company purely focused on winning attention. I wouldn't be trying to sell too much. I mean, you, you would be able to passively sell as, you know, as, as other podcasts and, and B2C content plays do, but I would really try to do something like build the next morning brew, build the next hustle. And I would want it to be multi-channel. So I would build a YouTube show. If I had to pick one thing, by the way, if you're like, Devin, pick yeah. one thing. <laughs> it would be like a very edutaining YouTube show, mm. uh, heavy on entertainment, medium on medium light on info information. Um, but like back to the media play, like that would be one thing for one core audience, a different audience. I'd have a newsletter, another one, a podcast, maybe two uh, books, eBooks, that sort of thing. And really just kind of break out of the like webinar, email, social media kind of mold that B2B is I say lovingly stuck in because, you know, we have numbers to hit and we have attribution we need to show. But if I could just break through all, that's really what I would break through is like, you know, goals and numbers in that sense. And really just like, how can we truly deliver, deliver again, the most engaging content on the internet? That's, that's what I would do. Love it. <laughs> that's fantastic. Thank you. Great answer. <laughs> um, so on B2B content strategist, we speak to true leaders like yourself in the B2B tech world. Who do you think we should be inviting next onto the show? Ooh, um, <laughs> I'm just going to go who came to mind first. So um, Raj, uh, aka Raj Nation, aka Raj the Hype Man. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. He does LinkedIn. He does uh, really interesting content on LinkedIn. He mostly does like raps, like music. Um, but it's really good. It's really good. So I would say he's really interesting because he understands storytelling. Um, he does it through music for himself, but he has a, he has a, um, a consultant, uh, a firm that, that helps with that as well. Um, I'm a big fan of Chris Walker at Refine Labs. I like the way that he has such a unique point of view. I'm probably not the first to say, uh, to say his, who else do I like? You always, I always have all these lists of people who I know all the time. Then you put me on, you know, you, you get put on the spot. Like, What's your favorite movie? And I'm like, oh my God, I, I don't know any movies. Um, I like Camille Trent. We talked about Camille uh, before the show. She's fun. Um, Dave Gerhardt, you can never go wrong with Dave. He's always got something cool to say. I know he's a popular one. I'm trying to go in the deep cuts, but yeah, those are, <laughs> those are some good folks. If I remember people offline, I'll, I'll send them over to you because there's definitely a lot of great content creators out there. Yeah, oh, I just remembered. Sorry. Eddie Schlainer. I knew I was forgetting my buddy, Eddie Schlainer at verygoodcopy.com. He's Eddie fantastic. Verygoodcopy.com. Cool. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds like someone we need to know. So that's good. Fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, thank you. It's been a great conversation, just like I thought it would be. So thank you so much for thank coming you. on to the show. Where would you like uh, people to go to connect with you? Yeah, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Big surprise. I only said it 14 times in today's show. So uh, you can catch me on LinkedIn. I also have a newsletter if you're interested. Uh, it's called the Content Strategy Newsletter. Uh, every week on Saturday mornings, uh, I deliver basically one lesson under five minutes uh, about content creation and content strategy. Uh, so if you want to join there, you can. It's newsletter.thereader.co. Uh, I'll put, I'm sure you'll put down the show notes anyway to make it simple for people. Um, but yeah, those are the best, best ways to get a hold of me. If you like anything I said, there's more where that came from. So <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. I will make sure that we put the links to everything in the show notes. So, um, yeah, thanks a lot for coming on. It's been an awesome conversation. Lovely. Thanks, Amy. I appreciate it. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of B2B Content Strategist. Do let me know what you thought of our conversation by getting in touch with me on social media. You'll find Content 10X on all the social platforms or search for Amy Woods, CEO of Content 10X on LinkedIn. To find out more about streamlining your content marketing processes and specifically about content repurposing, check out our website, content10x.com where you'll find information and resources that will help you achieve more with your content more efficiently. And if you're looking for a partner to outsource your content repurposing and distribution to, get in touch as we offer a world-class, fully end-to-end, done-for-you content repurposing service. Thanks again for listening to this episode and I'll catch you in the next one.